my name is Abby, and I want to thank you so much for taking the time to watch this message from the church. We pray that you are highly blessed and encouraged. We would love to connect with you more at our website at www.thechurchokc.com. I'm going to, uh, I always start with a joke, um, regardless of whether or not you laugh, I start with one. And uh, I've, got two, I've got two tonight, but they're short. Um, this man's talking to God and he says, what is a million years like to you, God? And God says, like one second. And the man goes, well, what is a million dollars like to you? And God says, like a penny. The man goes, can I have a penny? God says, just a second. <laughs> One more, just for the heck of it. <clears throat> an older couple were having dinner in a restaurant. The wife saw another couple about their age sitting in a booth nearby. She observed that the husband sitting close to his wife with his arm around her. He was whispering things in her ear and she was smiling and blushing. He gently rubbed her shoulder and touched her hair. The woman turned to her husband and said, Look at that couple over there. Look how close that man is to his wife. How he's talking to her. Look at how sweet he is. Why don't you ever do that? Her husband looked up from his Caesar salad and glanced over at the next booth. And he turned to his wife and said, Honey, I don't even know that woman. <laughs> All right. If you've got your Bibles, open them up to the book of 1 Timothy. We've got two little passages that we're going to hit tonight. We're right in the middle of the series called um, Make Way for the King. And, and we're talking about how we can make way for God in our lives. How we can make way for the King of the universe in our lives. And, uh, you know, we, we've had some... We, last night or last week was a great was a great, uh, a, a great service. I, I feel like tonight's going to be a good one too. Um, but God is really doing some things. And, and the more that we make way for him, and I, and I want us to understand something, that when you go in your life and you really try to make way for God in your life, when you really try to, try to get the pride out of your life, when you really try to just push things aside and let God take the place on his throne in your life, a lot of things happen. Most are good, okay? But, but make no mistake. The more you try to push things out of your life, the more the enemy is going to sneak in and try to do stuff. Okay? Going to try to mess with it. And that's just the way it is. Because the enemy doesn't, he's not going to, he's not going to sit there and just take it. He's going to fight back. But what we have to understand is that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. And so, with that being said, you know, one of the things that we're doing here is we're trying to make, make a way for the king in this neighborhood. We're trying to make a way for the king in this community. And, and for those of you that know, we're building a building just down the street here just a little bit. And the more that we push, the more the enemy tries to push. And we've got one big hurdle left that we have to, that we have to, one big something or another that we have to, a wall that we have to break down or, you know, something we spiritually have to bomb. I don't know, whatever analogy you want to use. We got something that's in our way that we need to get out of our way. And I really believe that it's just the enemy kind of pushing back. But I want you guys to pray with us. Um, what our issue is, is this, that for this new building that we're building, in order for us to get our permit to, to put up the sanctuary part, um, we're supposed to be able to have like this big road that goes all the way around our building so a fire truck could get, you know, if there's a fire, they could get around. And um, We don't have enough room to do that. So, we can put on a sprinkler system. So, we got one quote, and just to hook up to the city water for the sprinkler system, they want like $40,000. Okay? That's a lot of money. I don't care who you are. Okay? That's a lot of money. And uh, so, we don't want to do that. 
So what I want you to pray is just agree that, look, God has brought us too far to, to stop now, to let this be where we're going to stop. This isn't going to be the end of the story. He's given us air conditioning and, and equipment. He's given us carpet. He's given us all sorts of stuff. He's given us an incredible deal in the building. All sorts of stuff. So we believe that God is going to do something. We believe that this is going to be a testimony to the community. So we're going to continue to push and we're going to continue to make way. And that enemy can fight and he can, you know, bicker all he wants to. But we know that in the end, God's going to move. So what we want is we want to just agree together that God is going to be in charge of this situation. That he's going to be in control. And that he's going to make a way where sometimes it doesn't feel like there's any way. Amen? Amen. Amen. So would you guys just say, hey, I'll pray with you on that. Okay, you don't have to go big detail, just, you know, say, God, touch the church, touch the whole situation, you know, do your thing, all right? So, now to the passage tonight. 1 Timothy chapter 2, starting in verse 1. It says, first of all then, I urge that supplications, that prayers and intercessions and thanksgiving be made for all people. For kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men. The man Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. Now, what we're going to talk about tonight is making way for the king in our life when it comes to relationships. And we've all got relationships in our lives. Some are good, some are bad. You know, it may be with our parents, it may be with a friend, it may be with somebody of the opposite sex, it may be with a co-worker, it may be with a boss, you know, it, it, whatever it is, we all have relationships, it may be with our kids, and some of those relationships are good, and some of those relationships are not so good. And then some of those relationships, to say they're not so good, would be an improvement on how they really are. You guys know what I'm talking about. Anybody have people like that in your life, that you just, they don't even have to talk, they, they, they walk into the room, you know, and you're just like, oh, you know? You know, it's like if, if you felt the need to pray for him, you'd pray that God would strike him with lightning. Or, or, you know, I mean, it's just like you just do not have good thoughts come into your head when that person walks into the room or when you think about them or when you see them or especially when you talk to them. And, 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 and I think for a lot of us, maybe the majority of us, the, the thing that we struggle with the most when it comes to this Christian life that we're living is not so much the believing what God can do or, or, and not so much having the faith in our life, but it's, it's communicating and living that out when it comes to relationships around us. You know, because if we got some friends, you know, say God comes in, God saves us miraculously, He does an incredible job, something incredible in our life, and then we go back to our friends that maybe don't believe, we just kind of clam up, you know, and, and you can feel like there's something there, there's a wall there between us and them now. I, I, I've talked to some friends who've been saved recently, and, and, and this is what they communicated to me. He said, he said, you know, like, I still like them, and I still value them, but I don't want to hang with them anymore. It's like something has kind of sprung up inside of them to change their perspective on things. And I've heard it said in families as well, when somebody comes and gets saved, and, and God does something in their life, that that marriage or that relationship may become strained. 
Because the desires that you once had, as you make way for the king in your life, it's like there's a roadblock there between you and, and your, your family. And, and what Paul is talking to here, to Peter, and, and we'll get to this, but you know, he's, he's talking by just saying, you know what, I want you to pray. I, I, I want you to pray for everybody, okay? I want you to pray for the people then. Thank you. I want you to pray for the people who are ruling over you. I want, to, I want you to pray for the kings and all who are in high positions. So, so God wants us to pray for Obama. And God wants us to pray for our congressmen and our senators and, and, and our bosses and all of that. That we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. And, 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 and this is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. And, and if we stop here and just break this down for a second, something that's really interesting that we may talk about and we may pay lip service to a little bit, but I don't think we really do a lot of is... This first few verses is saying, look, I want you to pray. And the reason I want you to pray is because I want it to be pleasing in God's sight. And I want the people around you to be saved. So it's not saying here, first of all, I want you to preach. And I want you to witness. And I want you to leave um, uh, flyers and handouts on a table instead of a tip. Look, if you're going to be a part of this church, when you go out to dinner... And you're eating at a restaurant. Do not leave them a tract in place of a tip. And the worst thing you can do is leave one of those tracts that looks like a folded up dollar bill. Until you open it up and you realize it's telling you the way to get saved. Okay? Do not do that. I don't care if it talks about getting saved. It's just mean. I don't want mean people in my church. Well, I want people who are mean as long as they're getting saved. And then you can be mean for Jesus. Just don't be mean like that. Okay? If you're going to go eat, pay a good tip. Well, if the service is sorry, pay a good tip anyways, okay? You're going to make up for something. Maybe you'll change their life. You never know. Okay, so I got that out of the way. So it, says, it doesn't say, first of all, I want you to preach. I want you to stand on a street corner. I want you to wear a Christian t-shirt and have a, 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 a little Jesus sign fish on the back of your car. Or I don't want you to have a Jesus sign, Jesus fish eating the Darwin fish. That's not what it's saying. It's saying, I urge you that supplications, prayer, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that you may lead a peaceful and quiet life, a godly life, a dignified life in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Father, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So what he's saying is this. He's saying, when you pray for people, God moves, and that brings them closer to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And, and I will tell you that, that more than any word that you can say out of your mouth, the prayers that you offer up are more powerful than that. Okay, now, now understand, I'm not saying, I'm not giving an excuse to just say, oh, I'm going to pray for that person. Lord, they're a sinner and a heathen and you need to save them. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that you need to talk and you need to be that example. But that example has to be bathed in prayer. That example has to be, it doesn't matter. You can preach and you can witness till you're blue in the face. But if you're not praying for the people. And look, our country is like going down. The, the drain hole here, okay? And, and, and my personal opinion, it's because the church wants to stand up for chicken sandwiches instead of helping people who need help. Um, but the fact of the matter is this, is if the church would get on their knees and pray 
And, and when I say pray, I'm not saying point the finger and pray. I'm not saying, Lord, change all those people. Mess with all those people. Help them to be more like me. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is this. is saying, Lord, I need you. And if I need you, if I realize that I need you, Lord, I just pray with everything that's in me, that my boss, that my president, that my family, that you will bring them to the knowledge that they need you. Amen. That's, that's what we're talking about, and that's what Paul is saying. And look, Timothy is going to go on to do great things. And Paul wrote most of the New Testament, and Paul has this incredible story, and, and he's well-trained in all of this. And, and he's not saying, Timothy, here's how to do a three-point sermon. Timothy, here's how to lead somebody down the road of Romans. No, what he's saying is this, is pray for them. Be a mediator for them. And that's what it goes on to say here. For there is one God... And there is one mediator between God and men. The man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. Now, this is something that's really interesting when you look at Jesus Christ and who he is and what he's about. You know, if in John 1.1 it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was, was God. Okay, talking about Jesus. Jesus was in the beginning. Jesus was part of the, the trio, the trinity that made creation. So the Bible tells us that everything that's made was made in him and through him. And not a single thing that was made was made apart from him. That's what the Bible tells us. And so this is something that's really interesting when it comes to understanding Jesus and, and understanding his life and his testimony and, 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 and his mission for living is this. You know, the, last night I was watching ESPN. Um, after Kevin Durant, you know, tied Michael Jordan's record and that whole thing. And then I got in a fight on Facebook with all my friends who are Houston Rockets fans. And, and I prayed for them. Um, and at, while I was watching Sports Centers, watching the highlights, uh, they had this, this uh, picture that the Yankees signed for an ungodly amount of number. And he's from Japan. And he just moved over. This was his first game. And they're interviewing him. And the interviewer is asking a question. And then there's a guy standing right next to him who's interpreting that question. Speaking his language. Speaking Japanese. And then he'd give his answer. And he'd, then this guy would turn around and speak English. So everybody listening on TV could understand what he was saying. And, and this is what Jesus is in a very real sense when it talks about him being a mediator. Is this. Jesus understands the language and the workings of God. Because he is God. But the Bible tells us that he came down and he humbled himself and became human. So Jesus also understands the working of humanity. And he understands the language of humanity. And so what happens when we pray is this. God Jesus takes our language and, and he, he mediates that between us and God. And when we have sin and when we have our a dysfunction working of humanity. Jesus mediates and he prays and he translates that and he's the buffer between us and God and he's the one that brings us together and that speaks both languages and that joins us. That's our connection with God. Does that make sense? Do you guys understand that? In the message translation, if I just hit a couple verses here, verse 4 and 5 it says this, he wants not only us but everyone saved, you know. Everyone to get to know the truth that we've learned. That there's one God and only one. And one priest mediator between God and us. Jesus who offered himself in exchange for everyone held captive by sin to set them all free. The entire purpose of our life is to point to Christ. 
The entire purpose of our life is for God to get glory out of our life. That's what we're here for. We're not here to make a million dollars. We're not here to make 10 million. We're not here to, to win American Idol or The Voice or any of that kind of stuff. We're not here to be the best drummer. We're not here to be the best, you know, uh, basketball player. None of that matters. The only thing that matters is that God gets glory out of our life. Because this is why it's good and it's pleasing in the sight of God our Savior who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. So what we have to understand is this, is that in our relationship with God, the reason prayer is so important is the fact that when we pray, the, the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ is at the right hand of the Father and he's praying and interceding for us. This is what God is doing. This is what Jesus is doing now that he's ascended into heaven is he is mediating for us. He is praying for us. He's praying that God gives us strength. He's praying that God gives us favor. He's praying that God protects us from sin and protects us from the evil one. This is what Jesus is doing. And he's saying, look, I want you to do the same thing for the people around you. Our lives are supposed to be that, uh, are supposed to be like that of Christ. And I know some of you are like, well, there's certain people that I just can't pray for. <laughs> I mean, there's just... If I can be honest with you, it's really hard for me to pray for Obama. And it's really hard for me to pray for Congress and senators. And, you know, I mean, I just, I read an article yesterday or the day before that, did you know the Postal Service has armed agents? They have people that carry guns for the Postal Service. The Department of Education has people that carry guns. I, that would get me to do my homework, but I, I just, the more I look at our government and where it is, it just frustrates me, you know? And, and, and honestly, for me, I just want to pray, Lord, just wipe them all out and let's just start over, you know? Bring another flood, you know? It could be like the Bible or it could be like Russell Crowe's flood. It doesn't matter. Just do something. Just clear, clear the slate. But that's not what he's saying. He's saying, look, I want you to pray for him. And what's, what's easy to pray for is this, Lord, I need you. And if I need you, I, Lord, I know they need you. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, but we do. We need, we need him. You know, C.S. Lewis said, it's not the load that breaks you down. It's the way you carry the load. It's not the load that breaks you down. It's the way that you carry it. Yeah, I know when I was working, I had to go and do the fitness test and they always tell you, you know, lift with the legs not with the back, all that kind of stuff because if you carry or if you lift the wrong way, it's going to cripple you. And, and, and I think what this means to us is when it comes to relationships it's not who's in our life that's going to cripple us. It's the way that we carry and it's the way that we approach and it's the way that we relate with those that are in our life that will cripple us. Um, I've been studying a theologian that was um, real prominent back in the 20s and 30s and 40s and I want to give you a quote that he said out of one of his books it says the call of Jesus teaches us that our relation to the world has been built on an illusion oh, I'm sorry let me start Jesus stands between us and God and for that very reason he stands between us and all other men and all other things he is the mediator, not only between God and man, but between man and man. Between man and reality. Since the whole world was created through him and unto him, he is the sole mediator in the world. 
And the call of Jesus teaches us that our relationship to the world has been built on an illusion. All the time we had enjoyed a direct relationship with men, we thought we had enjoyed a direct relationship with men and things. And this is what had hindered us from faith and obedience. Now we learn that in the most intimate relationships of life, in our kinship with father and mother, brothers and sisters, in married love, and in our duty to the community, direct relationships are impossible. Since the coming of Christ, his followers have no more immediate realities of their own, not in their family relationships, nor in the ties with their nation, nor in the relationships formed in the process of living. Between father and son, husband and wife, the individual and the nation, stands Christ the mediator. Whether they are able to recognize him or not, we cannot establish direct contact outside ourselves except through him, through his word, and through our following of him. To think otherwise is to deceive ourselves. His name is Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And, and what's fascinating about his life is this, is that when he was coming to prominence as a theologian, he is German. And he is living during the rise of Hitler's power and World War I and World War II and, and, and all of that. And his story is fascinating. He was, he was in as part of the, one of the, well, he wasn't a co-conspirator, but he knew of, of the attempt on Hitler's life. And, and he was going back and forth between London, between the Allies and, 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 and all this amazing and crazy things. And during one point in his life, he fled to America to teach at a university here. And immediately he saw that as a mistake and he wrote back and he said, I've got to get back. I've got to get back over there. He said, for, for this reason, he said, how can I in right mind share in the victory of Christ after this is over if I'm not willing to share in the suffering while it's going on? And, and, and so he was actually on the last boat that left America that went back to Europe before the war started. And he lived his life and, and he ended up dying in a, a German Nazi prison camp two weeks before that camp was liberated by the Allies. And his life is just amazing. But when you think about what he went through and when you think about his understanding of this relationship between him and the people around him, between him and Hitler and the Nazis and, and, and all of this... This really sticks out to me about what he's saying is, and I'll sum it up for you in, in little Oklahoma English, okay? It's this. <laughs> this is what he's saying. He's saying, look, before we were saved, we thought that we interacted with one another fine. But now that we're saved, we realize that our only interaction with one another is when we interact through Christ. We can't on our own, we can't have a relationship with one another, whether it's a mother and a, and, and a father or between a parent and a child, between a husband and a wife or friends or bosses or whatever. We cannot have a relationship with anybody else apart from Christ. He goes on to say there is no way from one person to another. However loving and sympathetic we try to be, however sound our psychology, however frank and open our behavior, we cannot penetrate the incognito of the other man. For there are no direct relationships, not even between soul and soul. Christ stands between us. And we can only get into touch with our neighbors through him. That is why intercession, that is why prayer is the most promising way to reach our neighbors. And corporate prayer offered in the name of Christ, the purest form of fellowship. And think about that. He's saying the only way to reach out to the people around us, whether good relationships or bad relationships, is through Christ. It's through prayer. It's through intercession. It's through getting on our knees and saying, Lord, look, 
I, I don't agree with that person. I don't like that person. That person doesn't like me, but I need you and I know they need you. And Lord, I want to make way for you in my life. And in order to make way for you in my life, Lord, I've got to push away the hate. And I've got to push away all that kind of stuff. Because when I make way for you, when you come in, then all of my relationships, everything that I say, everything I do has to get filtered through you. And that's what he's saying. And look, we all have people that we don't like. We all have people that we'd rather not be in our life. And if you really want to take care of that relationship, you pray for them. You know, that's one of the things Jesus has taught us. Pray for those that persecute you. Pray for your enemies. In Mark chapter 12, Jesus said that the most important thing we should do is to love God and love other people. Mark 12, starting in verse 28, says, And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, Asked which commandment is most important of all. And Jesus answered, The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. You know, there's... Life is not about your accomplishments, it's not about your acquisitions, it's not about how famous you are, your popularity, your prestige, it's about how well you love. Relationships is all about how well you love, it's about how hard you pray. There are three problems that keep us from loving fully the way that God intended. And the first is very, very simple, we're all imperfect, we're all sinners, we all suck without Christ. There are no perfect relationships because there are no perfect people. The second is this, sin disconnects us. Adam and Eve had the first broken relationship and disconnected themselves from God and from each other. And we've been excusing ourselves and accusing the people we love ever since. And three is this, the more disconnected we are, the more fearful we become. We crave intimacy, but we fear vulnerability. We crave acceptance, but we fear rejection. You know, we could look at this and, and every relationship, every brokenness, every hurt, every heartache that we face, every time we feel like somebody has let us down, it's easy to point the finger, it's easy to say it's you, it's you, it's you. But on the very basic and on the very purest level, we have to understand that every broken relationship goes back to the first sin. It goes back to the first uh, relationship, Adam and Eve. When they sinned, it broke the relationship between him and between her, you know. He blamed her, she blamed the snake. But it also broke the relationship between them and God. And because of that, it causes us to get more and more disconnected. I've got a friend that's been hurt in relationships. And, and so they've moved from one relationship to another relationship and they get hurt again. And then they move from another relationship to another relationship and get hurt again. And the reason they continue to get hurt is because instead of dealing with the hurt from the first relationship, they're piling it on and that's affecting the re second relationship. They're becoming more and more disconnected in every relationship that they go to. And, 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 and I think that that's something that we can all understand because if we look in our lives, we find that. You know, if you've been in a romantic relationship and they hurt you, you take a little skepticism with you to the next relationship. Or if you've had a bad, uh, a, a bad relationship with an employer, when you go to the next job, you're a little skeptical about how they're going to treat you. And it just goes on and on. And because we get more and more disconnected, we start fearing more and more and more. 
You know, we go into the relationship, well, what if they hurt me like so-and-so hurt me and like so-and-so hurt me? Or, or what if this boss treats me worse than the, or treats me like the last boss? And, and so then we start putting up this guard and we say, okay, I'm not going to let anybody in. I'm going to stay disconnected from everything. I'm going to protect myself. And this is the way that we go through life. And what we have to understand is that 